I, I love what I do, as I've already said. And speaking of love, are you aware that when you love someone, you can literally love them to health when they might not have made it? Are you aware of that? Have you seen that happen? Amen. You hear some people preach and they act like they're mad at everybody. Can't stand themselves, much less anybody else. And these days the world is so angry. My goodness. You know, no wonder people are struggling on the inside. Mary Miller's dad, George Adams, who is 92 years old, lives with one of his daughters and her husband in Miami. And I've known George for many, many years. He is an incredible man of God. His wife went home to be with the Lord uh, just not all that long ago. And, and just recently, well, ever since then, his health has faltered. But just recently, Mary and her other sister were called to join the family in Miami because it didn't look like her dad was going to be around much longer. They went in and all three sisters gathered around, ministered to their dad and and spoke with him and encouraged him. And do you know they flat loved him right out of that hospital and back to health again? And, and we've all seen that happen so many times, haven't we? Now, I mentioned that because not only can you love people to health again, you can love people to wholeness again. I'm reading from John 8, beginning at verse 3. Then the, Pharisee, the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that we should, she should, that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one with the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Where'd everybody go? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Say it with me. No. One more time. No more. I want to speak from the subject this morning, loved to wholeness. We have been in an extraordinary season of deliverance. And what I'm about to talk about today is important for true deliverance, permanent deliverance, to be able to take place in people's lives. Father, I'm going to ask that you would touch every one of us, especially me, and help me to be able to articulate 
the principles of your word faithfully as I hide behind the cross and let the attention be focused on you. Let that profound thing that you do with your word occur within our hearts. And that is let revelation be imparted and let it impact us, give us hope and let it change us. For always we give you praise and everybody shouted and said, amen. People can struggle, can't they? People can struggle. Often they're struggling and you don't even know they are struggling. The whole world focused for several days on what went on in the North Atlantic when a mini submersible went down and we didn't hear from them anymore. I've been on one of those things. Been down to over a thousand feet deep in the ocean. And that was years ago. Used to do a lot of underwater activity and scuba diving and underwater photography was my hobby and loved all of that. But man, they were 12 and a half thousand feet under the surface. That's more than two miles. And that thing they discovered had imploded. Everybody stopped breathing for a moment when we heard the news. Especially if you have a tendency to be claustrophobic. I was particularly moved when I found out that one of the young men, he and his dad were on this mini submarine, didn't want to go, but he wanted to do it to please his dad. That profoundly affected me. Because nearly all of us are looking for acceptance from other people. We're made that way. The Bible said concerning God, whose worship we give every Sunday, every day, hopefully of our lives and hopefully with every breath we draw, that God is perfect and there's nothing diminished in him if I don't worship him or acknowledge who he is. There's nothing added to him if I do. But yet John 4, the scripture says the father is seeking true worshipers to worship him in spirit and in truth. And we were made in the image and likeness of God. There's no such thing as being content, living in isolation. All of us need to be connected. And you can get stuck in life whenever relationships go wrong. We're all confronted in the course of our life by temptation. We struggle. We struggle sometimes with doubt and with many other things. And we become unable to move forward. Sometimes we yield to things we shouldn't. And it gets a grip on our hearts. And people can get stuck grieving the loss of a loved one. Have you ever known anyone that did that or got stuck in their life at the point a relationship was severed? A divorce occurred. Could have been years ago and they don't move forward. And they just get stuck and they become isolated. I was raised in Louisiana and spent a lot of time on, on rivers and bayous and marshes and boats. And, and many a time, like some of you have, Paul, I've seen something get swept into a little back eddy on the side of a river that is just flowing and swollen. And it just go round and round and round and round and round. And something made it get stuck. While the current is carrying everything else toward its destination, 
this particular item is stuck. God has always been about helping people move forward with their lives. Because he has plans for us. Can I hear somebody in the house say amen? Jeremiah 29 and 11, that wonderful verse. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I don't care what you've come through. God has plans for your life and you have hope. Don't you let the devil tell you otherwise. Somebody needs to say this out loud. I have a future no matter what the enemy's telling me. Come on, say it. I have a future. Sometimes like that little object that's caught in that back eddy alongside a river, you can be in the middle of a revival. A church can be in the middle of a revival. A family can be in the middle of the revival. And you get stuck. And you're not moving forward like other people are. You can end up being in bondage. And, and uh, it just, it, 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 you look at everybody else and they're moving ahead and, and you wonder what's going on. And usually when you get right down to it, you find out it's because something is broken on the inside of us. In fact, I'll be more clear. Something is broken on the inside of all of us. We were broken by Adam's fall. Can I hear somebody say that's right? Amen. And it doesn't sound to me like the scribes and the Pharisees in this story were very interested in helping this woman recover her life. They were, they were about to have a party, but it wasn't the kind I'd want to attend. They were going to stone her to death. And it's easy to miss the point of this story because everybody focuses on the details that we're given. Someone has been taken in the very sinful act. And you just stop for a moment and say, how scandalous, how horrific. And people had, the word had gotten out. They came in glee with smiles on their faces and picked up stones. Oh, we're going to have fun now. You're going to pay for what you did. And they bring her in front of Jesus and throw her down and then Jesus writes in the sand and slowly her accusers begin to slink away one by one. Of course, there is the glaring and obvious omission that is evident in this story. And that is the question of where was the man she was with? Come on, think about that for a moment. Because they both should have been there if the law was being administered fairly. You see, they were using the, the law in an unjust way. They went after one, but not the other. And you know what I'm talking about. Justice is not justice if it's not administered the same way to everybody. I wish I had a better amen here this morning. You know what I mean, don't you? The rules apply to thee, but not to me. That's the hour we live in right now. There are double standards for everything. There are double standards for double standards. Amen. And God hates two-tiered system of justice. 
And that is something that he says in his word is an abomination. Deuteronomy 25 and verse 16. All who cheat with dishonest weights and measures are detestable to the Lord our God. Deuteronomy 27, 19. Cursed is the one who perverts the justice due the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And then all the people had to say after they had declared that, amen. They had to consent to it. God loves every one of us the same. There are no favorites in the kingdom of God. He doesn't play favorites, although between me and you, I like to think I'm one of his favorites, amen. But God cares about all of us, saved and unsaved. I wish that everybody in the building could understand that one foundational premise all by itself. Because some of you were raised to believe God didn't love you, but I'm here to contradict that and tell you God cares for you. In Matthew 5, 45, he says, For he, our heavenly Father, makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Amen. God blesses us. We're blessed with life and health and And eventually wrongdoing will cost us something. And that's why God doesn't want us getting involved in it. The admonition of scripture, and Peter quoted it in 1 Peter 1 and 16, is this. And he's quoting Leviticus 11 and 44 and other passages. And Peter says, be ye holy. He's quoting God, for I am holy. I think it's sad. That so many times when verses like that are read or mentioned that even believers sometimes feel condemnation while that's being read. I'm going to get real with you. I'm going to talk to you. Because sometimes even those that are blood washed and on our way to heaven, you start talking about being holy and we feel a little uncomfortable on the inside. Because, and that's because, like the old song goes, I've got a long way to go to be like my Lord. Amen. I knew the man who wrote that song, Bishop Watkins. Charles Watkins was a friend of mine. And it's sad that we experience that. But we do because we have a pretty good idea of our imperfections. We might not want to admit them to our wife or to your husband or to everybody else, but most of us know that we've still got some growing to do and some maturing to do in Christ. Can I hear somebody say, praise God? But I've got some good news for you because even in process, grace is applied and God looks at us and he doesn't see our wrongs and our imperfections. God sees covered by the blood of Calvary's lamb. Amen. But the verse that Peter quotes begs the question, if we're supposed to be holy, what does it mean to be holy? What is holiness anyway? And I can answer that for you. Holiness is the nature of God. Did you get that? God's nature, not the fallen nature of we mere mortals. It's the nature of God that he imports to us. And it can be defined with one word. And that word is wholeness. Holiness is wholeness or completeness. And that's why God is holy. 
because he's complete all by himself. You're never going to add anything to him. You're never going to take anything away from him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you can say there is no God. and He still keeps right on living forever. Amen. And you can say I don't believe in God. And God still exists whether you believe it or not. And you can say I don't like God. And God just keeps right on being the good God that he is. Can I hear somebody in the Lord give him a praise break right now? Praise God. The reason humanity struggles to be whole is because we're broken. So we struggle to be holy. Life beats us up and then spits us out. And you don't get through life without carrying some scars. Nobody does. And no one knows what Jesus stooped and wrote on the ground. It's not even that important. You can ponder that till the... No, the sun goes down and probably never figured out because if he had wanted us to know, it would have been in the book. Amen. But after he gets through writing, he looks up and he says, woman, where did everybody go? I don't have any accusers anymore, Lord. And in this story, there are two things that Jesus teaches us we shouldn't do. And one thing we should. Last Sunday, we had people getting delivered in the prayer room. People being prayed for in the altars. This is an amazing time to take a giant leap forward if you are struggling with issues in your life. And this story gives us insight into how we can be a church that facilitates that and helps make it happen. Because there's some places you don't want to go to. You know, if you have struggles, you don't want to be there because when you walk in, they're going to beat you up and let you know that you're not like them. Praise God. There's nobody saved but me and thee and I have my doubts about thee. Amen. You know what I mean? That that whole attitude that we see expressed on the part of the Pharisees and the scribes, we don't want to be a part of that. But there are, there are other things that were that Jesus points out that are wrong too. So there are two things he taught us we shouldn't do and one thing we should. I want you to notice the first thing he didn't do is condemn her. And the second thing he didn't do was condone her. Oh, it got quiet now and I need to talk to somebody. So I just, did the microphone go out? Y'all help me out. (laughs) Testing, testing mic, one, two. Just just making sure, right? Amen. I want to make sure you're still here. You look like you are. Jesus didn't condemn her, but he didn't condone what she did either. And as the only perfect human being, there was not another individual on the face of the planet that had the right to condemn her. Not a one. But by the same token, he was the only one come as the holy lamb of God to earth that had the right to say That what she did was okay, but he didn't do that either. Amen. And what we see here is that though he alone were worthy to either condemn or to look the other way, he chose to do neither. Instead, he chose to create an atmosphere where she could be made whole. The church of the hour was not. And if this does not describe where the world is at right now, I don't know what's going on. He also showed us in this that we should look to see what is causing the problem. Woman, I'm not going to condemn you. 
I want you to go and sin no more. In those two sentences, there was summarized healing and acceptance and wholeness. Now, concerning what causes us, and I'm going to get to the other in just a moment. What causes us to do what we do? We are broken. I want to emphasize that again. Oh, I know you think you met somebody that is the most beautiful or handsome person you've ever met. And, and they are wonderful and they are the individual of, of, of daydreams and, and blissful visions. And you get married to them and then come talk to me in two years, okay? Hallelujah. Everybody I know has some brokenness on the inside. Amen. Everybody. I met this man. He's so wonderful. I met this girl. She's so beautiful. Just hang around, honey. Hallelujah to, to the Lamb of God. I know they're good and they're all of that, but you're going to have a, a, a you're going to have an introduction to reality somewhere down the road. You hear what I'm saying? Because we're all broken on the inside. We can hide it sometimes, but it's there. Brian Stevenson said, we are all broken by something. We all hurt someone and have been hurt. We all share the same condition of brokenness, even if our brokenness is not equivalent. We're all broken. The great preacher of yesteryear, some of you wouldn't even know his name today, but I remember him well, Vance Havner said, God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop, broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength. It is the broken alabaster box that gives forth perfume. It is Peter weeping bitterly who returns to greater power than ever. Aren't you glad God uses us in our brokenness? Aren't you glad that God accepts us in our brokenness? Somebody give God some praise in this house. Amen. The crowd had gathered to stoner because if you notice, the world is full of those who want to throw stones. Oh, y'all hadn't learned that yet. Just make one mistake and you'll find out. World is full of those who want to throw stones. Amen. I, I need to tell you, I'm not talking about situations in particular today. I don't want you to mind to even go there. What I am trying to tell you is that consistent with what God is doing, when a church can figure out you don't condemn or condone, but you create an atmosphere where wholeness can develop, holiness can grow in somebody's life, that church is going to be visited. It's going to become a center that draws people from the community because everybody driving by on that freeway out there right now has brokenness on the inside and, and they need, the, oh, I'm talking to somebody in this house. Hallelujah. Some of you've got loved ones that need to be here right now. We don't want to be on the side of those who gather stones. And I've been at this a lot of years. And I've watched how different people handle their problems. Amen. I, I'd never like to see a marriage break up. I know you don't either. Amen. This past week, Jerry and I reached 56 years. God is good. Amen. I know I'm too young. I, I, I got that. I, I realized that. But, you know, I was only about three, I think it was. And 
felt like it now that I look back. But you see, marriages break up. And the old adage is, it takes two to make a marriage work. But only one to blow it apart. Are you listening to me? You're listening because some of you have had to walk through this. You've had to live with this. And then the very one that wouldn't receive counsel goes on social media and tries to make everything look like it's that one's fault over there. Y'all never went through any of that. I, I get so upset. I'm not even on social media. But people tell me stuff and I want to ask why somebody won't pass a law to stop that foolishness. Oh, they do it about politics. You get fact checked. But you can say anything bad you want to about anybody. But let a church send out a daily devotional and they want to shut it down because it's a violation. Makes no sense to me at all. At all. And then people go on social media and have ugly things to say about it too. You're supporting the person who was in the wrong, who's now making the other one look like they're in the wrong. And I know the whole story and people bring me screenshots. Stones. Anybody got any stones you've been saving up? Anybody got any stones you want to throw? Because you see, they're not even mad at the person that's being talked bad about. It's all the, the folk in their life that's making them get on that, that social media page and, and like the comment and, and, and add their two cents worth. You ever heard of a reaction formation? In psychology, that's when you hate in others what you're dealing with internally. Yourself. You know what's in the Bible? Romans 2 verse 1. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. People rail and rant and they don't even know it. They're telling you more about themselves than they are the one they're railing and ranting against. Everything is so polarized, angry, three years of COVID, job transitions, somebody did me wrong. Kind of, that's a country and Western song right there. Amen. And they have a bone to pick. So they start looking for stones. Jesus didn't join that crowd. And can I tell you this, going into another political season, let's not us join that crowd either. I needed a better response than that. Wait, wait, wait. Just stop because I'm going to say it all over again. Apparently somebody was not listening. Going into a political season, don't get involved in all of that animus and hatred and talking bad about other believers that don't see eye to eye with you on everything. The world is filled with people who are ready to cast stones. And there is an accuser too. Revelation 12 and 10, the Bible says the accuser of the brethren is going to be cast down. 
And did you know the Greek word for accuser there means a complainant at law, but it is combined with another word that means in the public square, the agora, the public square, the marketplace. So they don't just go to the court. They go out in the public square and broadcast all of their complaints. Now I'm praying for you because if anybody's ever done that to you, that hurts. You say, why are you talking like about this kind of stuff today? Is it because, you know, somebody said something bad about me? Nah, nah that doesn't even phase me anymore. People say, does the devil ever bother you? Nah, I see him back there in the line, but the people in front of him, the line is so long, he doesn't ever make it to the front. You just learn to ignore that stuff. David said, I was as one that heard not. Amen. Jesus, when they were talking, just stayed down on his knees and kept, pretended he didn't even hear and kept right on riding in the sand. Do you know the best thing you can do is stop listening to that kind of stuff? But on the second thing that I'd like to point out, Jesus didn't condone what she did either. He didn't say it's okay, what you're doing is fine. And that's the ditch on the opposite side of the road. Because it seems like churches and people have a proclivity to end up in one of those two ditches. Amen. You either got to feel like, you did wrong, bless God, I'm going to... You know, stand up here and let you know about it. And we preach the truth, the word of God. But what I'm talking about is Jesus was the truth. And these are the statements coming out of his mouth. Or they go the other way. So I don't believe that's wrong. And yet we're supposed to be living by the standard of the word of God. And so you have people that are broken. Because when you throw away the standard of the word of God, you've lost the only lifeline that there is. Just suppose the people in that sub had been adrift and it had not imploded. And one of those ROVs went down and saw it and they were able to attach a cable to it. Oh, praise God. Can you imagine how they would have felt, how their families would have felt what you don't want to do? is be guilty of not even trying. And whenever we take the hope of the word of God away, we leave people broken. In all of the deliverance that's going on in this church and among our families, and God knows there have been people healed of emotional problems and delivered from suicidal ideations and healed physically and miracles have occurred and marriages have been saved. We don't want to take that lifeline of hope away. We don't. As long as I live, I want you to know I believe that Jesus Christ is a healer. He is a deliverer. He can do what nobody else can do. Hello, somebody. Mike Barber was with us last Sunday. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. And I'm sitting there watching all of that. And as I'm watching him and he's laying out the principles he's learned for over 40 years in ministering to broken people, you know what I got to thinking? I've been privileged to minister to people at the top. And I've been privileged to minister to people in the middle. And I've been privileged.
privilege to minister to some on the bottom. But everybody Mike ministers to is on the bottom. They're broken. And I I figured out why he is so successful at what he does. Because we read in the word of God in Psalms 34, 18, that God is near to those who are broken hearted. And in Psalm Isaiah 57 and 15, it says God is with those whose hearts have been crushed. How does that relate to you? Or somebody that you know that you're ministering to or people who maybe are here this morning that need help. When a church maintains an attitude where we can nurse people through recovery and wholeness, they don't have to go underground with their stuff. They don't have to hide it. They don't have to pretend it isn't there. You're not going to put it out on the front page of the newspapers or the six o'clock news. That's not what I'm saying. Nobody gets any help if you do that. But what I mean is when people walk through their brokenness, this is the assurance that as a pastor, I want to give you our attitude here has always been to walk with people through recovery, help people through the process. Somebody in the building needs to say, amen. Hallelujah. And sometimes every once in a while, somebody asks me about something and they've heard a little something about somebody and all I do is smile and say, I'm working with that person and I'm loving that person. And just because you don't hear somebody get up here and start throwing stones doesn't mean that somebody's not helping someone along the way. Amen. I looked out at men. I met men in the lobby last Sunday that have been that are members of this church that Mike ministered to in prison. You don't want to condone and say it's okay because once you've done that, you've you've yanked the life preserver away. You've taken away the medicine that can fix the the disease. There's no hope for anybody if We can just continue to live and do anything we want to. There has to be a standard that we try to aspire to through God's grace and help. And that's the standard of the word of almighty God. And you know what? Culture changes. Can I hear somebody say amen? How many of y'all are old enough to remember when holiness used to be how you looked? Oh, y'all didn't think I would go there, but I'm going there. Come on, help me out. It was the kind of clothes you wear. It's whether you had on makeup or not. Come on, help me out now. That was holiness. That's not holiness. I've met people that looked that way on the outside, but were meaner than a snake on the inside. You going to hell. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. They were glad you were going to hell. I used to know a man that was a preacher and he had preached camp meetings years ago. I shouldn't tell y'all this. And he was preaching a camp meeting and a lady came up and she said, called his name. She said, brother, she said, I want you to help me pray that the Lord will help me lay my tongue on the altar. 
He looked at the altar and said, sister, we don't have a large enough altar in this building. Because she was known to, to talk. Amen. Jesus didn't condone, but he didn't condemn. But he did say, go and sin no more. I'm going to empower you to put the past behind you. Is there anybody in the building that needs to know it doesn't matter what has happened at the foot of the cross. It's all taken away. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Amen. Nikki Cruz, and I want our musicians to come. Nikki Cruz, one of the greatest evangelists that I've ever met in my life. Nikki preached for us many years ago at the old location. He did a crusade in this city, and Nikki and I became very good friends. I love that guy. Nikki Cruz was raised in New York City. He was the warlord of a brutal New York City gang. Human blood on his hands. Killed a number of times. And then a man named David Wilkerson felt called of God to go to New York City and start Times Square Church. And David Wilkerson felt God calling him to minister to the gangs. And that's how that church got started. David met Nikki, and he's all dressed up. He's got his suit on. David Wilkerson is, nice pair of shoes. Nikki Cruz got a switchblade in his pocket, maybe a pistol stuck in his belt. And David Wilkerson said, God loves you, Nikki. And I love you too. And Nikki sneered. Nikki had been raised by warlocks in the Santeria cult. They were into demon worship. And Nikki looked at David Wilkerson and he said, if you love me, give me your shoes because I don't have any nice shoes. And David Wilkerson bit down and took his shoes off and gave them to Nikki. And then he said, I love you, Nikki. And Nikki said, I could take this knife and cut you into pieces. And David said, if you do, every piece will say, I love you. And God loves you. That's the kind of church that's going to reach a broken world right now. And I'm glad that God did that for me. How about somebody in this building? Amen. And so recovery has been the process for me of a lifetime. I get a little bit upset by these folk that, that have this whole idea. You do my little three-point plan or my four-point plan and you find, yeah, you everything's hunky-dory. No, being a saint is the process of a lifetime. As the grace of God works in you and works in you and works in you. Would you stand with me across the building? Have I helped anybody this morning? I'm not going to condemn you, but I'm not going to condone you, Jesus said. I'm going to keep that positive tension. 
that keeps calling you higher and higher. And I want to accept you at this level and cover you with all of your imperfections with my blood. But I'm going to ask you to climb a little higher and know me more. Know me better. And draw closer to me. And that's what the Lord is speaking in this service right now. You don't need to struggle with condemnation. You don't need to struggle with guilt. With a sense of your own imperfections. And oh, by the way, if you wonder if I'm comfortable preaching this because I realize that not everybody's going to shout you down when you preach a message that identifies our own inner flawed nature. Oh, yeah. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable because I know what God's doing inside of me. And our prayer counselors are here right now. First of all, with every head bowed, is there anybody in this building that would say, Pastor, you just gave me hope. I need Jesus in my life. Raise your hand right where you are and say, I need hope. God bless you. Keep raising them. Keep raising them. Amen. God bless you. Keep raising them. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you and you. Keep raising them. God bless you. God bless you in the back. God bless you in the back. God bless you on the risers. Father, I pray right now that every one of these dear people and those at home who are watching, who have felt stirred in their hearts to understand how much you love us, That, Lord, that we can right now lay it all down and say, you are what we want, Lord. You are what we desire. For those who have got stuck, like that item in the back eddy on the long side of the bank of a river, and they're just going around in circles. Whatever's holding them there, I'm asking you to help them break free. Come into our hearts, save and write our names in the book of life. We make you our Lord and our Savior now as we ask for your forgiveness and your guidance. And we accept you through faith in Jesus' name. And you know what I want us to do? That prayer wasn't just for people who are giving their heart to the Lord for the first time. That was for people to get unstuck. I want you to let's have a celebration and a party for a moment. Come on, let me hear somebody raise up their voice. Come on, let's celebrate for a minute. Hallelujah. Wholeness. Wholeness. Wholeness.